you told me on Sunday, you didn't tell me, you told the congregation <laughs> on Sunday <laughs> that don't worry, the whole sermon won't be a NFL uh, illustration, but I would like wasn't. to say... There was Jesus the, in there. Of course there was Jesus in there, but besides <laughs> Jesus, the only other illustration on Sunday was the draft. Fair. And, and there, was, <laughs> there, was, there was people serving their community. There were people hugging their mama. There was crying. It may have all been wrapped around the draft. Through the yeah. lens of football. Through the lens of football. And you know what? I have had more conversation about this <laughs> lens of football thing, either people hating it or loving it, both in between, than, than I have about lots of illustrations that get, get brought up along the way, which... I you, guess that's fair. You know, once... A, now, if, if we get, you know, the MLB draft and then the NBA draft okay. and then the NHL okay. draft... That's when I can give you a really hard time uh-huh, about... Okay. Uh-huh. Now, because really... You don't have to worry too much. The only two of those I actually watch are the football draft and the basketball draft. <laughs> and in the basketball draft is just a like a two hour process, so it's mm, not not days, not on days, it. not days, days. And days. No, no. April doesn't say in the middle of the basketball draft. Surely this thing is getting done soon. <laughs> um, on the middle of day two, it's like no, we're on hour five of ten, so we're not quite done yet. But I'm sorry, April. <laughs> Well, you were telling me something this morning that that made me want to say sorry to Patrick, too, because it sounds (laughs) like y'all spent all of your afternoon yesterday, or the vast majority of it, watching the new Avengers movie, which, as we established a couple weeks ago on Hot Takes, it's a comic book movie, therefore it's trash. Um, You're so wrong. It's the culmination of 22 films, and it was beautiful, and I won't say any more because I'm not the kind of person to spoil things. Here's all the spoiler you really need to know. After 22 films, you still needed three hours to tell a story. Yes, because you're connected to so many characters and it's beautiful and you have to hear their storyline in it. Okay. Obviously, three hours was just enough. Okay, okay. Yeah, I do need to say that I laid down the challenge a couple of weeks ago to you and Michael to give me a list oh, no. of comic book movies to watch so to try to convince me that they're not trash. And, and apparently you still believe that they're trash because you have not actually great, given me anything to watch. There's this great thing to be able to say in this moment, which is that... Michael has a brand new baby. So we'll we'll get it to you. We okay, have time. Okay. As you may have noticed, today on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast, you have Pastor Daniel. And Pastor Melissa. But not non-Pastor Michael. Congratulations to to Michael and to Jenny on the birth of their little girl, Lynn and Ruth. Mm. We are so excited for them. If you have not found Michael on social media networks, please do. Cute baby pictures are fantastic. And and they're not being stingy with them, and I'm so thankful for that. So Michael will be back with us in a couple of weeks. But for now, we are gathering together to start a new journey ourselves, a journey that's kind of rooted in that everyday portion of life, that everyday portion of life where we watch too much draft or movies that are way too long (laughs) or, or try to get some sleep as we welcome a newborn home, right? That everyday, how do we live out this experience of life. 
And the Bible's got some good words on that. It does. It does. So this week we're going to turn and we're going to start in a new portion of the Bible. We're going to be in the Acts of the Apostles. We thought it'd be a good place to kind of come into after this Lenten season where we spent so much time with Luke, where we spend all this time through Jesus's lens of of how we should live. And now we're kind of shifting that and seeing how the early church then took it upon themselves to live out those very words. Yeah, so, we, we have this prolonged season in Luke where Jesus lays out what this upside-down kingdom looks like, and then we begin to see in Acts, uh, spoiler alert, written by the same person, <laughs> um, yes. the living out of that new kingdom with the power of the Holy Spirit in those early apostles and the early church leaders. It's a really pretty cool experience. So this week we are going to focus on chapters one through three of the book of Acts. So at this point in the podcast, you can either hit pause and then come back and play this, or you can keep listening. We're going to kind of um, talk through some of these chapters just a little bit. And then we encourage you when it's over, if you haven't already paused this, to go back in and read those chapters and and be um, in conversation with us. Allow this gathering space to, to continue through that reading and and give your own takes and opinions on it. Absolutely. And as always, we'd love for you to share those with us. We love when you share them with us one-on-one, but you can also share them with us by being in conversation on the, the Facebook post that goes along with this yep. uh, new podcast dropping or over email or text message. We'd love to be engaged in this conversation as we jump fully into the Acts of the Apostles. So before we get to any of the verses, Daniel, what are yeah. what are some of your favorite things overarching of the book of Acts that you think people should know? So I love when we go through the Acts of the Apostles, we see oh, it begins with this most iconic moment, the moment that at least I identify most with the Acts of the Apostles in chapter 2, right? The coming of Pentecost, the mm-hmm. the speaking in tongues that happens. And and I love it in part because it's an incredible start for a conversation, Yeah, right? Because people wonder, what on earth do we do with this? What <laughs> yes. is happening here? How do we understand this? And, and across the Christian family tree, we've got lots of expressions as to, to how do we understand this and yeah. how does this get lived out in the everyday person. I'm going to tag on that Facebook um, post that I'm going to make about this podcast um, through the church page, a video I watched on Facebook yesterday that I was going to send to you and I forgot, um, but I think everyone deserves to see it because I think it's it's a church truly fully embodying the the full Pentecost experience with fireworks in the sanctuary. And I thought that I should, I thought maybe we could coordinate with our Alter Guild to see what fireworks displays uh-huh. we could have. I'm sure they, the trustees. Oh no problem. Would Mary have Ann no Brown's problem. got no issues. Yeah. Are, th- are those hashtag Easter goals uh, yes. for next year? No uh, hashtag Pentecost goals. Oh okay okay. Then they got to be. You got to sure come back. Ripped. Right. Yes. Well, and, and if you manage to get that approved, it will truly be a sign and wonder of the Holy it Spirit will. present in our midst. Yes. And and the thing I love about Pentecost is that it. The giving of the Holy Spirit yes. that is received by the disciples that's evident in that expression of their speaking in all the languages of the gathered world in Jerusalem in that mm-hmm. time. 
continues to show up in the life uh, of the people in the chapters to come. Yes. Right? Uh, in through these signs and wonders as they offer the love and the witness to Jesus Christ in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You kind of hit on uh, two of my favorite things that are kind of themes that carry throughout the book of Acts that I love to help people pay attention to, which one is those signs and wonders. They Mm -hmm. show up everywhere. And I think when we spend time looking at those signs and wonders, it it broadens our imagination Mm, of what are the signs and wonders um, still happening in the church? Because I believe they are, but oftentimes we just don't pay attention. Mm. And the second is the Holy Spirit. Um, And I have one more, though, that I love, which is I love to pay attention for where there's opposition because mm. the early church faces opposition, sure. both outside of itself and even internally there's opposition. But more so when you notice the opposition, not to just end there, but also to look at the response. Mm. Because I yeah. think it teaches us something of, of how we're called to respond um, or learn from their responses, you know, right? Because sure. oftentimes they'll go on and be like, and they'll realize this maybe wasn't the best way. But a lot of times there were these beautiful um not always resolutions, but answers or at least interactions with people that teach us something about um, who the church is still called to be from its earliest moments to today. Yeah, some that ability, you know, often we talk about with our kids, sometimes we learn from situations what to do, uh-huh. and sometimes we learn what not to do. Yeah. And so as the 21st century church, we encounter opposition, and, and, and we encounter it in a, in a very different way because our culture is very different, right? We've... Uh, but I do think we can learn from when we face stumbling blocks, yeah. right? When things uh, seem like they're perpetually in the way, right? When your alarm clock doesn't go off on Easter Sunday morning, you got to be at church at six o'clock or whatever <laughs> it is, right? How do we how do we respond to that, and how can we glean from from those earliest apostles there? Yeah. So you kind of glossed over it um, by quoting it, but the thesis I really think of of Acts is found in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, mm. where it says, Rather, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And we see that very pattern play out where, yeah. you know, just down in chapter, or sorry, not chapter, in verse 12, we find that they are in Jerusalem, right? And then they're going to go out to areas of Judea and Samaria, and then they're going to go past that. Yeah, when we get to the week we cover, chapter twelve and beyond, we'll move to the yes, ends of to the, the earth. ends of the earth. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And it's it's kind of this beautiful structure of mm-hmm. the early church because you know Jerusalem is the city, right? This dot yep. on a map, and Judea and Samaria is kind of uh, Judea being the southern kind of region and Samaria the northern region. So for us, you know, you could kind of say, well, our northern region is maybe DFW, right? you know, for us, and, and our southern region is maybe down to like Austin or just north of Austin. So kind of our our conference area, yeah. the Central Texas Conference, if we're putting it into our terminology with Cleburne being that dot on the map. The holiest city, um, just but, like Jerusalem. Of, yes, yes, absolutely. Of course. Um, and then to the ends of the earth, right? And we see that even in our partnership here with with Cuba. Absolutely. Um, 
and the other things that we do and send people out, even like our youth who we're sending out to Corpus Christi and beyond, right, um, this year. So I think it's beautiful that the church started with this structure and, mm. and we get to watch the church continue to live out that structure and bring back stories all along the way. Yeah, and, and I can't help but read that that impulse, that driving impulse from Jesus in Acts here in conversation with the Great Commission that comes at the end of Matthew, yes. yeah. right? Um, because we're to go into all the world. This just kind of gives us a grounding sort mm-hmm. of begin closest and then expand, you know, sort of, um, start where, you know, yeah, yeah, where, you know, and where you are known and and then Mm. go, uh, go out from there. That was such a nice little pastor, like tag on. I loved it. Um, not not just where you're, where you know, but where you're known as well. Love it. (laughs) Hey, there you go. Uh, hashtag preacher life. That's Um, right. Well, and, and from this thesis that, that launches them into Jerusalem to begin with, we, we move into this moment that we began to discuss a little bit earlier, yeah. Pentecost, yes. this story of you know, Jesus has been talking for a while across all the Gospels and in the, this early first chapter of, of Acts that they're going to receive the Holy Spirit. And it's, it's be, begun or it's become mm-hmm. a bit of a... Okay, already. Come on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, we, we've we've witnessed Christ in ministry. We've seen him heal the sick and cure the lame, and and we've seen him uh, raise Lazarus from the dead. We've seen him arrested himself and crucified and and born anew. And but the thing that's we're still kind of just waiting on, right? Yeah. Uh, and we even have a couple of moments in the resurrection encounters where we hear Jesus, yeah. like at the end of John, say, "Receive the Holy Spirit." Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But we or don't get breathing to s- the Holy Spirit on yes, them, right? Yes, yeah. that that ruach. Um, although I guess it, he was in Greek, not Hebrew, but that's <laughs> Numa, okay. That Numa. Numa. There you go. There you go. Um, but you have uh, you have this moment where not only is it talked about, but you see the physical expression of it. So yeah. like the gift of the Spirit is present, and and. Um, I'd be curious to to hear from you, Melissa, uh-huh. about sort of what was your first encounter with this idea of Pentecost? Because I can remember early in my Christian life, before I was super familiar with Scripture and, and actually reading the Bible for myself or anything like that, I had encountered a couple of moments where I'd gone to church with friends or something like that, and people were speaking in tongues, and I you know, had the wild-eyed expression of, I don't know what is going on here. This does not look like the uptight white Methodist church I grew up, grew up in. Um <laughs> But what yeah. was your first encounter with with Pentecost and all involved here? Yeah, so uh, college okay. was really my first experience of even really understanding the Pentecost story. Uh, it just wasn't one that we spent a lot of time in, but I'd say my first experience of Pentecost was actually on a mission trip I took my senior year of high school mm-hmm. where we went to New York and we went to the Brooklyn Tabernacle. Okay. And there was a moment of, you know, intercessory prayers where people could just begin praying, you know, all at the same time. And um, some people began speaking in tongues, and mm. then people began um, kind of translating for them. And I remember just we were sitting near someone who was speaking in tongues and being like, what is happening, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and, but then having this debrief where we kind of came back into the story mm. of that, you know, where God's spirit is, you know, the word will be heard yeah. um, kind of moment. 
Well, and, and the thing I love about this story, as I've actually begun to wrestle with it and understand it a little more, is that it's at its core, God is trying to make clear and known the message of love, the new kingdom that he's trying to instill in a way that breaks down every barrier, in a way that speaks to every human being. Yeah. Right? Um, it, because my first experience of speaking tongues was an isolating one, right? It was uh-huh. one where I was on the outside and not on the inside. Yeah. And it, but when I actually encounter the story, it's one where God is breaking down all those barriers that make people on the outside and said, and instead is welcoming everyone in um, by making sure that everybody can, can hear, right? Yeah. Everybody who has ears to hear can hear, right? Yeah. And, and can be uh, able to to experience this, this powerful, uh, I'm proud moment. of you that that's yours. Cause my takeaway is that I would one day like to preach a sermon that then 3000 were added to the number. Well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't be bad. Um, that, I, I personally like I, but, but yeah, before oh, we get there, uh-huh. I mean, in terms of just the, the pieces in the text that, you know, uh, we have this guilty confession about, okay. right. I love this moment. Mm-hmm where everybody is experiencing this moment where the gift of the Holy Spirit is powerfully present and Uh people are, you know, speaking in all kinds of languages. And the first assumption, we think in the 21st century that we've got this cynical thing uh, Mm -hmm. nailed down, that it's a new creation of ours, like the internet or something like that. (laughs) It is not. People have been cynical for a long, long time. Verse 14, Peter stood with the other 11 apostles and he raised his voice and declared, Judeans and everyone living in Jerusalem know this. Listen carefully to my words. These people are not drunk because just the verse before in 13, others had jeered. They had allowed their cynicism to win saying, these people are full of new wine. And then Peter's uh, remark of like, obviously, they're yeah. not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. It's only nine in the morning. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, yes, that I love that that's kind of the rationale of the masses. Right. These people are doing something weird. Right. Therefore, they must be drunk. I'm going to write them off. Well, but when you talk about preaching the sermon, yeah. you're preaching the sermon that moved people from they must be drunk. To 3,000 ch- yes, change in their life. right. It's not just about it's a 3,000 life change no. here. Right? I'll this settle is, for that. Well, okay, fair. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I love I love um, Peter's sermon here. That's mm. actually one of the places that I've kind of come back to, I feel like, when I've come to the Pentecost story, is that you know most of his sermon that we have here is pulled from a text in the book of Joel, mm. right, from the prophet yep. Joel. And it's something that... Peter is saying these things, you know, are coming true for us today. But if we go back to that prophecy in Joel, you know, it wasn't a prophecy that Joel made for Peter to use on Pentecost. Right. Joel used this prophecy, um, like Karl Barth would say. Um, Joel is someone who read with his Torah, you know, his mm-hmm. Bible in one hand and his newspaper in the other. Mm, and the yeah. reality for the Jews at the time um, when Joel was prophesying, and Joel was really just a great pro- uh, poet too, mm. um, was they were living in exile. And so Joel gives these prophetic images of natural disasters coming and just leveling everything back down. And that from there, God's hope and his future for the Israelites would come to be. So out of the worst of disasters, 
a seed would come forth. Mm. And I think Peter here is, I think he's capturing the hearts clearly of everyone that's around, but he's also, I think at the heart of it, preaching straight to the already believers that, Mm. that the Messiah, our Lord died, Mm. but from that death, the seed of resurrection was born and that's all we need. Out of darkness came new life, yes. new light. Mm. And that, that is a word that'll, as we say in preacher circles, that'll preach. Yep. <laughs> that'll <laughs> preach did. in the first century, that'll preach in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. And because over and over again we see, um, you know, we're going to spend over the next month and a half together looking at these signs and wonders and things. We're going to spend a lot of time wrestling with how does this show up in our 21st century world, Right. Um, how do we understand these signs and wonders yeah. in, applied today? One of the places we see it happening over and over again is even when the form looks a little different, when hope pierces the veil of darkness mm-hmm. and fear and anxiety. That's those moments where that seed of resurrection is planted in a moment, in yeah. a life, yeah. in a scenario, in a situation. Mm-hmm. And God begins to to work profound things. And I think it's those things um, that testify in a way that move people. Yeah. Uh, either move people individually, but also move people on masses. You, you mentioned that one of the things that you long to do is preach a sermon where 3,000 commit to life change. And, 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 you know, that's a good goal. It's noble. I hope to as well. We said a couple weeks ago, I like to be successful. Um, and that would certainly count as a, good, a good, good day's work, yeah. right? Yes. Uh, you can go have a nap after uh, you, that. You can have a nap after that, uh, I would hope. Um, <laughs> I had a nap after Easter. And, we, you know, anyway. That's lovely. That is lovely. I did not. I... I my nap didn't come till Tuesday. Oh, okay. Yeah, there not, you go. There uh, you go. It wasn't during, You had the family. <laughs> yeah, we had we hosted we hosted uh, Easter and so I was smart was, enough to outsource. See, I we've done this any number of years now. Mm-hmm. We've done it any number of times. I know that Christmas and Easter I am zonked either yeah. way. And if I don't have to get in the car and go anywhere, mm. It is so it's much nice. better. Yeah. And, and I'll readily admit, April is a saint. And so I can just show up and she has things figured out. And so... Um, Patrick, you... Step it up, buddy. Step it up. <laughs> no, we, no. Both, the problem is we both enjoy doing it, so I won't let him do it on his own. <laughs> well, that's your own choice. Uh, <laughs> but but back, to, back to Holy Scripture here, back towards the end of chapter 2, we see this moment where... 3,000 people were brought into the community that day, right? Yes. Uh, they were baptized after hearing Peter's message. And then we see this moment where the community of believers sort of begins to live their life out together, mm-hmm. right? That they begin to walk as a community. And, and I can imagine that that would be an interesting thing to attempt to do with 3,000 more people one day than you had the day before from a yeah. systems and structure standpoint. Right. but. But in many ways, they that may have pressed them to get to the essentials quickly. Yeah. Right? Uh, verse 42 says, The believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the community, to their shared meals, and to their prayers. A sense of awe came over everyone. God performed many wonders and signs through the apostles. There it is. There you go, signs and wonders. 
all the believers were united and shared everything. They would sell pieces of property and possessions and distribute the proceeds to everyone who needed them. Every day they met together in the temple and ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. And the Lord added daily to the community of those who were being saved. It's funny, we spent a little time earlier talking about our first impressions of the Pentecost story, the first times we encountered uh, either speaking in tongues in the Holy Scripture but or just in life, right? I remember the first time I read this section as a grown adult, Mm -hmm. right? I'm sure I read it as a kid at some point along Uh the way. Um, But the first time I read it as a grown adult, my gut reaction was, who would do that? <laughs> I, you know, I kind of like living with my family. I like the people I like, but I'm not signing up to live in some commune with a big bunch of other people. And then enters <laughs> me. And then enters Melissa. Um, as you may or may not know, Melissa ha- has lived in what we now call intentional Christian community mm-hmm. um, as a in a form of new monasticism yep. that was spawned out of the work of Elaine Heath at yes. uh, Perkins School of Theology. And mm-hmm. and so the last little bit on this podcast here, um, I'm going to ask her some questions. So, Melissa, we're going to have to come up with a name for this segment at some point along the way where okay. we ask you random questions about interesting life choices you I made like along it. the way. Yes, okay. I've made uh, many of them. Okay, <laughs> very good, very good. Um, how did you first get connected to Intentional Christian Community? Well, it was at Perkins School of Theology. Um, I was not living in Waco yet. I hadn't gotten my appointment at the Baylor Wesley yet, but I took evangelism with Elaine Heath, which Mm. is a class that everyone has to take, evangelism. Um, And she was one of the teachers, one of the professors. And I wasn't sure how I felt about it because my relationship with evangelism at that point was it was a four-letter word. But at the same time... I knew it was important. I just Mm. knew that the ways I had learned how to do it weren't the ways I was going to do it. And she just opened my mind. I was like, it's obvious. And it Mm. it all boiled down simply to relationship. Mm. You can be in relationship with someone and be authentically you and love Christ. That's the work of evangelism. So I loved her from that point, and I was like, I, I want to do all Elaine Hay things. I have been known to say that that's who I want to be when I grow up. Okay. Um, but so anyway, so I was introduced to, to this idea through her class where she told stories about these houses mm. um, that um, started out of simple ways and grew into this crazy connection of inter of, of intentional Christian communities. And then when I moved to Waco, I went into her office and I said, I'm moving to Waco. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, we have a house in Waco. I said, I know there are no open spaces right now. And we both mourned that. And so when Patrick, and I moved to Waco, we actually lived in another little house for a year that we loved. It was in Cameron park. You wouldn't have gotten us to move from that place. Um, But God had other things in mind, perhaps, and we realized after the year lease was up that it was time um, to move because the owner wanted to sell the house. Um, So, and um, good realization. Good realization. I can leave or be evicted. Right. We will just (laughs) stay here. Um, But a room came available in the Susanna Wesley House, or affectionately called the Swesley, and so we moved. 
and to the Swesley House. Very good, very good. I I have to admit, I came to Elaine Heath's because I went to Perkins as well, and mm-hmm. it was a couple of years ahead of you. Yep. Um, but I came to Elaine Heath's evangelism class, longing for a new way of seeing things too, because yeah. it had been. I I feel and like she I, brings it. She does. I feel like I grew up knowing what I didn't want to do, what I didn't want yeah. to experience, because I'd experienced it as filled with with pain and judgment and. Um, a little holier than thouness yeah. um, along the way. She gives this image, and I feel like probably all of her classes that I was just like, I think it was the clicking moment for me where she said, Not everyone's going to grow up to be a tomato, <laughs> but that the garden is going to be full of cucumbers and okra and yeah. um, greens, and that if we allow, um, but our evangelism efforts tend to want to make everyone tomatoes. Okay, yeah. The here is a box that we're going to want to fit you in yes. and make sure that you fit in it. And once you do, you will get your membership card. Uh-huh. And um, hmm, very interesting. Yeah, I don't remember that line from her, but I do remember that spirit mm-hmm. in everything that she did. Um, when you first heard about um, this intentional Christian community, this new monasticism, what first, what reservations did you have at first, if any? Um. Well, perhaps that's the wrong question for me, because if you look at my, you know, like extrovert and introvert scales, right, it's a sliding kind of piece where healthier people fall more towards the middle where you have, you have your preference of if you're out extroverted, where you get your energy from being around people or introverted, getting your energy being alone. Um, I'm not healthy on that. Um, (laughs) Both Patrick and I are both um, very unhealthy extroverts. So we love being around people. And that was okay. one of the things I was so excited about. And so I guess my only reservation um, with that was knowing that I am an unhealthy extrovert. And if I don't go home to just me and my husband, um, when will I ever be alone? But mm. I think I actually cultivated more healthy introverted practices through living in intentional Christian community, because we lived with introverts who needed their space, and Melissa not to. You would say, Melissa, you're being extra. I need to back off now. Pretty I much. Need you to back off. Not always that nicely, okay. but no, <laughs> no, we loved each other. But when you live with people, you know how to um, speak truth. Right. And the the reverse went too of uh, me being able to say, "Okay, you've hidden away in your space. Come out." <laughs> right. Give us a sense of what a daily or weekly rhythm looked like for y'all. Yeah, so... Uh, Other than pulling people out of their room as they <laughs> tried to be alone. Um, I'm going to go with a weekly rhythm. Okay. Um, so in the mornings for our house, Monday through Friday, um, we prayed together in the morning. Um, for us, we all had jobs that didn't need us to be in till 9, so we prayed together for 15 minutes at 8 a.m. in the morning. And uh, then... On Monday evenings, we had a community meal where we would invite neighbors to come to our house and eat at our dinner table. Mm. And once every five weeks, it was your turn to cook. Um, So if that was the case, then you would come home, you know, um, as soon as you could get off work and cook and have everything ready for people. Uh, And then really those were the two main rhythms for our house. We, um, we grew food cause we were in a food desert. So food desert means that 
You are over one and a half miles from the closest grocery store that sells fresh produce at a fair price. So mm. the Dollar General block from our house that sold brown bananas and mealy um, apples for three times the cost of which didn't you could cut. get it at HEB didn't cut. Um, and 30% of your neighborhood had to live beneath the poverty line. So in our neighborhood, we were the most socially and racially, um, socially, economically and racially diverse neighborhood in Waco. Um, so there was poverty, but there were also people who were on Magnolia's TV show on um, okay. Fixer Upper. Yeah. Um, so we had the whole breadth of it um, covered. But um, we would invite all of these people to come eat at our table. And through that, we came to realize that the food desert issue was important. So in that mm-hmm. weekly rhythm, um, we also had a garden. And so um, you would have responsibilities in the garden weekly. So some weeks it might be your job to water. Other weeks it might be your job to go around and pull weeds. Um, and most of those, um, depending on what it was, um, might just take an hour once a week, or it might take um, going out and tending the garden for 20 minutes at a time um, daily for the week. Um, and then we also had Sabbath weeks where you would be off from all of that. And that also included house chores because um, the Sweet. downstairs was communal space. Okay. So our rule of thumb was we couldn't be embarrassed if someone showed up at the drop of a hat in the communal spaces. But okay. your upstairs space, which everyone had a private space, kind of like a small apartment upstairs, um, that could be as messy as you wanted it to because no one was going in there unless you invited them in. Right. Um, so you also had a chore that you had to get done by the end of the week every week, whether okay. it was mopping or sweeping or dusting or, or all that out. kind of things. Yeah. Huh. Very cool. What is, when you begin to talk about uh, this kind of acts two way of living, mm-hmm. um, what is the biggest misconception you find among uh, people who look at you side-eyed when you begin to talk about it? Or, uh, well, or one... people who are very enthused about it. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, uh, communism, okay, <laughs> you sure. know, uh, jokingly, but also, you know, that's kind of the thought of like, it's, you, I mean, it's got the same root communal living. Yes, right? exactly. Um, um, and also, I mean, we lived in Waco, um, in this way where there's another very famous story that comes out of Waco. Um, so th- those are kind y'all of wear, I'm not David Koresh t-shirts. No, but we really missed our opportunity okay, there. Okay. Um, no, but uh, it was, those are kind of the misconceptions that you are this hippy dippy trippy. We, we won't mess around with people. There is a touch of hippie in my lifestyle, right? Patrick and I gave up paper towels five years ago, haven't gone back, right? Um, things like that. But at the same time, wear t- chacos. I wear chacos almost daily, right? Um, so. The, I think the difference that people kind of miss even in this story is that word united. In verse mm. 44, it says, all the believers were united. Mm. And to me, that takes me back to the unity prayer that Christ prays in John chapter 17, where his, his prayer for the believers is that they would be united. And I think mm. when you're united with someone, it takes it from being just the, you know, classic kind of, there's the powerful ones in communism that are going to skim off the top, you know, um, even if on paper they're not. And 
and the exact opposite of the lazy bum who's going to work off the system so they're, you know, and then the rest of the work falls to the good citizens, right? Right. Um, 60% in the middle. Right. But when in reality it's that unity that Christ calls us to, that when you're unified, it becomes more like family, right? Mm. And that doesn't mean you don't have your lazy days, and it doesn't mean you don't have your days that you make a misstep that you need to ask for forgiveness for. But in that same way, there's a community to come to, to ask for forgiveness or Mm. to ask for help on the days that you need help, and also to motivate you to say, we're united in this work together. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the misconceptions that people had is that living this way took all of my time and all my efforts when I still did very normal things. I went home many a days and cooked dinner for just Patrick and I, and um, we would then watch Netflix, right, and go to bed and call it a day. Um, but the beauty of it was that In those ways of doing simple things, right? That was one of the things. Um, One of the signs is doing things with gladness and simplicity. When we had a heart of gladness and simplicity of, I'm going to go out of my way to meet this neighbor. Mm. Yeah. um, Big things started to happen that went way beyond my imagination. So many of those signs and wonders begin in that small place. Yes. With an... One small intentional act. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So you've lived in the intentional Christian community for what, three years? Two three years? years. Three years. You've lived in unintentional Christian community for 27 more, years. more yep. right? Yep. Um, what is your biggest takeaway now that you, I mean, just to be clear, since moving here in Cleveland, yeah. you and Patrick it's share a house with just the us. two of you and yep. the dogs, right? Yep. Um, the dog and the cat. The dog and the cat. Okay. Um, what is the biggest takeaway uh, for you from this season of intentional living that impacts your day-to-day now that it is just, y'all are living in a more, yeah. I hate to say this, but traditional uh-huh. yeah. dynamic and environment, um, right. one that most of our listeners would be more familiar with mm-hmm. and comfortable with. Yeah, the um, the biggest takeaway for me in general is that anyone can do this. Mm. The biggest takeaway for me personally on a daily um, life basis is Anyone can do this, Hmm. including just Patrick and me. Um, It is kind of ironic because we don't really have neighbors. That's true. Yeah, yeah. We have um, we have the bus barn as our neighbors, and we have the State Farm Insurance Company and the airport that are our neighbors. But regardless, you know, I can still take these things with simplicity and gladness and say. Where can I do this in my daily life or in my community? If my neighborhood is non-existent, where are my neighbors? And so I just kind of claim Cleburne is my neighbor. And where do I have neighbors that still long for community or for a word of hope that you might not realize you offered even? Um, And what things might grow out of that small space that go beyond my imagination? Um, that's, I think, the beauty of living this way and then not living this way.
Thank you for gathering with us today on the Gather, Grow, Go podcast. I'm Pastor Daniel. I'm Pastor Melissa. And we once again shout out non-Pastor Michael as he welcomes his uh, newest little girl home what? this week. Woo-woo, Lynn and Ruth, we are so excited for you. We set your, we got your mic out of the box um, and just put it over <laughs> there. We didn't actually unbox it from its little box, but we do miss you and we hope yes. all is well um, and hope that you are sleeping somewhat along the way. And, and now that you've gathered with us, I'm going to issue you an invitation to grow. I'm going to invite you today to grow in simplicity and in gladness. Because no matter how we live, whether we live in a quite literal Acts 2.42 kind of way or in a more intentional, spiritually connected to Acts 2.42 kind of way, we can live making simple choices that create community, that offer the love of Christ, that welcome our neighbor, and that help people feel at home. And as we do that, we, in our lives and in so many other opportunities, get to be people of gladness and joy. So today, I invite you to grow in simplicity and gladness. And now, go. Receive this benediction, a blessing that's meant to be lived out this week. As you go, may you encounter a God whose imagination is grand and vast and bigger than yours, but can be tapped into through simplicity. May you go hearing the call of Christ to be here in your own Jerusalem. And then may you know that the Holy Spirit isn't shy, hiding in a back room, but rather is ready to break forth Pentecost across your ordinary every day. May you go in peace this week. Amen. Amen.